Good morning. Those are hard songs. I mean, was you thinking that, Mike? I was going, those are like high school stuff, man. I'm like, you tackle on the big stuff. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. I like this show. All right. Glad you could make it this morning. My name's Tim, and... Um, Again, welcome to Greater Alton Church. We got camp in full swing. That was primary week. Today, junior high and high school are, t- are starting today, and, and they are ready to go. And you're probably wondering, what is this over here? Well, we decided to bring our parking lot inside the building. And so if you need to park, no, uh, the, we have several of these we've purchased, and, uh, they're, and they're in the process of sanding them and repainting them. We're finally getting parking lights out in our parking lot. So... Yeah, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about this. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that was brought to my attention was the teen ministry has, has donated. They've bought these lights. They've donated $1,500 to get these lights for us, okay? Now, they, they sold their go-karts to get this done, guys. What? They just found out about it. Can I hear somebody say, What? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, come on. It's good. See, it's, it's car related. and um, But we're needing help getting them installed. We've got to get them in place. That, that, that requires trenching, conduit, wiring, and all kinds of things. And that comes to about $300, give or take a few bucks per light to get installed. Okay? And so that's where we're needing help from you. If you'd like to help with this, uh, and, and we're asking you to do this above your regular contribution. If you can help with this, we would really appreciate it, and we could get these lights installed. I think I think that we're installing those pretty soon here. I think in this month we're starting. Am I right? Is Mike here? Is he already in camp mode, isn't he? Uh, what's that? Week after camp. What's that, Reggie? Next Monday we're starting. Okay, so next Monday we need some money. Okay, so. You know, if you can help out, that'd be great. Just, put, just earmark it as a check. You know, hey, I, I can give so much. You don't have to give full 300. If you can afford that, that would really help us. But if, whatever you can give would help. And we'll get these lights installed, so we'll finally have some, some lighting out there when we're here at night. That's been such a, well, that's been a while, hasn't it? Be nice to have that. So it's really cool. I appreciate Mike and the Levite ministry. A lot of the guys that have pitched in. Uh, sandblasting, sanding, grinding, and then painting these lights. It's really good. There's a lot of them. Is there ten? Nine? There's nine of them. Steve says there's nine. So nine different lights. So whatever you can do to help, that's fantastic. In your bulletin, uh, there's all kinds of things going on besides camp. Uh, next week is Father's Day, and, uh, and uh, we're going to be having a waffle bacon breakfast bar. Try saying that fast. That's going on. Bacon. Yay, bacon! Yeah, bibbity bobbity bacon, right? And we're going to be having that for all you dads and moms. You want to join us too? But I mean, it's going to be—we're going to be having a great time. That's going to be at eight thirty next week. Did somebody say bacon? If you ever listen to Jim Gaffigan, great, great, uh, great monologue. Uh, also, you're going to notice. 
there's something I want to let you know about is our All-American Sunday. That's, there's an insert there. That's like an invitation. And that's coming up June the 30th. We're going to be at Cutter Park, which is when you go this way, turn right at the light, down at the bottom of the hill, and that park right over there. We're going to be having services there. And we're going to be at all together with our families. Our kids are going to be in this. We want our kids to participate, parents. You know, so, so we, you know, we want them to sing and enjoy being out at, uh, we call big church sometimes. And, 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 and we're going to be having a very short devotional. And then we'll have us, uh, some food there. There's, if you notice, there's going to be a pie eating contest. Thirty lucky people are going to be eating pie. And if you've ever seen Stand By Me, we hope we can avoid the Barfarama. Okay, so, but there's going to be a piting contest, a sack race, a three-legged race. Uh, there's going to be uh, the softball, play softball for you guys that like to play softball. It'll be hopefully ultimate and maybe a kickball game or two. I love kickball, the biggest kickball game in the world. I love playing kickball uh, with people. You get the biggest ball you can, you know. Sometimes the ball kicks the kid. It's funny. But, uh, and, and we're going to have bingo, and we're going to, and like I say, we're just going to have a great time. And then, of course, that evening, there's going to be fireworks at Bethalto if you'd like to go to that. So we're just having a good time. It's a great time to bring your friends, family members, neighbors, anybody that has kids. Or it's going to be a, uh, I understand there's even going to be some little kiddie pools for little bitty kids to, to be able to wade in and, and, and uh, enjoy. That's going on June the 30th. Uh, also, you'll notice uh, in the bulletin something about a straight talk seminar with Jerry and Lynn Jones. We'll be talking about that more. But would you mark your calendars now uh, and be there? Because this, this is going to be a great opportunity to learn how to help people. You ever felt like, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to help people? Here's a great opportunity to do that, uh, to learn how to do that. And Jerry and Lynn Jones will be coming and, and sharing with us uh, on Saturday. I think it starts at 9 or 8, or 9 o'clock, 9.30 right in there and, and goes into the afternoon. And I uh, hope, you'll, hope you'll join us for that as well. Uh, something that's not in your bulletin, not on PowerPoint, not in your notes. It's just in my head that I need to tell you. And that's uh, that on the 29th, is it the 29th? Am I right about that? 29th of June. First of all, Sam and Bonnie are getting married on the 29th of June. I think that's exciting. Yeah. Happy for them. Uh, right? 29th, right? Right. Okay. Well, that morning... Uh, they're, they're getting married in the evening. That morning here at the church building from 9 to 11, we're doing a orientation of Discovery Land. If you're interested in helping with kids or if you're a parent and you'd like to know more about what is Discovery Land trying to do, here's a great opportunity to learn about this ministry, what it's trying to do for your children and for your family. And so if, you'd like to, if you're interested, you can come. It's free. We're going to have uh, some coffee and some juice and maybe some things to nibble on. And we're going to be looking at... What is the purpose of our kids' ministry, and how does it work with families? Uh, and so if you'd like to join us there, that's on the 29th of June. Wow, a lot of stuff happened. I feel like a NASCAR driver, all them different things now. Okay, we're talking about the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts, and uh, we've been looking at I've called it Axemen, you know. And if you've watched Axemen, they're out there chopping trees down, and if you know, in the cover you've got the whole thing. It, you can see it, just the idea of how adventurous it must be to be an Axeman. And, and as they as they develop uh, wood and, kept, and harvest wood, well, the Bible has the Book of Acts in it, and I took a play on uh, words on this, uh, and calling it Axeman because it's one of the most adventurous things you can do is be a Christian. It's a very adventurous lifestyle, and in the early church, we we see it spelled out in the Book of Acts. In fact, the Book of Acts is a second book 
written by the same fellow, Luke. And if you remember the Gospel of Luke, he writes this book to a fellow named Theophilus. And then he writes the book of Acts as a sequel to explain. He starts in the book of Luke explaining this is, this is what Jesus began to do and teach. And in Acts, he goes on with that same theme. This is what Jesus is now doing. This is what Jesus is now teaching. And he continues to do that. The book of Acts is left open. A lot of books have an end. Have you noticed that? They'll have an end, the end, like a movie, the last chapter. And you go, it kind of closes it up real nice, and then you go on. But the book of Acts is left wide open. Why is it left wide open? Because it's not over. It's still happening. Jesus is still working. He's still doing and teaching through his church, through you and I. If you're a Christian, he wants to use you to spread the gospel. Now, I've got a couple of verses. Do we have PowerPoint this morning? Maybe we don't. Okay. There's a couple. Oh, here we go. There we are. Look at this here. This is not on your notes, but look what, look what Luke says. He wanted Theophilus to know this. He said, then Jesus asked us, what's the kingdom of God like? Think about this, guys. Here is the Son of God. He's on earth, God in, the, in a body. And he says, how can I compare the kingdom of God? What could I compare it to if I talk about it? From God's own lips, he says, it's like a, a, a guy planting a small seed, a mustard seed. You know, some of you ladies, you've maybe have had a mustard seed necklace. And that seed is so tiny. He says he plants that seed. And he says, and then it grows and becomes a tree. It grows and becomes a tree. And, and what happens? Birds come. The birds of the air come. And, and they perch themselves in the branch. They build their homes there. They build their nests there. And, and, and then, he, then he goes on and, and he says this. And also, as, as you read on in Luke, he says, I'll compare it to, to a woman who's making bread. She takes a little bit of yeast, puts it in the dough, begins to mix it throughout the dough. And what does yeast do? It makes the bread rise, doesn't it? It grows. And, and so what is Jesus telling us here? I want my kingdom to grow. I want, I want it to spread. Not stay small, not stay little, but spread. And so Jesus is doing this. His ministry is about that. It's about preaching the kingdom of God, preaching good news to people. And, and, uh, and so Luke is saying, look, Theophilus, and he wants us to know, as present-day Theophilus, to say, hey, God wants the kingdom to grow. Now he goes on. And he says here, uh, it says here in Acts, we're going to look at Acts 8 here in a second. And if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Acts 8, um, let's read this. Because I want to talk about a fella who actually did this. He actually spread the good news. He wasn't some fancy schmancy guy. A lot of people think you have to be a scholar to talk about the Lord. And, um, and I prove every, every Sunday you don't have to be a scholar. Okay, first of all. All right. But, but secondly, you know, you don't have to be that sharp. This Philip here is not the, the same Philip that's the apostle, one of the apostles. This is a guy that was chosen just a few chapters earlier to be a deacon. Well, what's a deacon? Well, literally, a deacon means a person that waits on tables. You go to a restaurant. Can I take your order? They, they're there to serve. They wait. Some of you have waited on tables, and you know how that job can be. And, and do they hire? And who do they hire to be waiters and waitresses? I mean, are they going after the you know the, the people studying to be doctors or or physicists or scientists? Now maybe they do that to get through college, but you know that's not the job they're going to stick with, right? Just regular people. I wouldn't know how to take an order from a doctor. Now, what would you like on the menu? 
I'd like to have this here chicken, so I, you don't even pronounce that right. This is the correct pronunciation. Enunciate, enunciate. Let's leave this restaurant. That guy scares me. You know, no, it's, it's common everyday people that wait on tables. And I think it's on purpose. That Philip is just a regular guy. He's just a servant. And you say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't the book of Acts later say they call Philip an evangelist? And you'd be right. But it's not, you say, well, so, so he was a big shot. Wait a minute. You're misunderstanding something here. Just because he's called Philip the evangelist, it doesn't mean he had a title. Or that he held some office in the church. He was some big shot. What it simply meant was he liked spreading good news. Do you like spreading good news? I got an iPhone last week. Glory! I was listening to a radio. We were listening to the radio going to camp last week. And the preacher goes, I want to do this. And I hear an organ guy go, ee. And then you go, and then Jesus went to out, ee. So I'm thinking, I got an iPhone, ee. I got it at Walmart, and I iPhone 4S, and right, and you know, I bought it two days before this sale, and you've got to know about this sale. See, men are interested in sales too, ladies. Right now, between the 1st of June and the 16th of June, Walmart is offering a $50 gift card if you buy an iPhone with a two-year uh, commitment, and I missed it by two days, and I don't want anybody else to miss it. You get a $50 gift card from Walmart, and I've got an iPhone. I'm a BlackBerry guy. I love BlackBerry. I love my BlackBerry, but I love, love my iPhone. Can I tell you that? My BlackBerry has the bumps and the clicking and the keyboard, and I just like that feature. But the iPhone, you just speak to it, and it does it for you. <laughs> and I, I told you all, I told many of you iPhone people walk up and go, you know, you're, you're kind of techy people. Have you ever tried the iPhone? It does all kinds of things. Hey, lady. You know, I'm going, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I'm a BlackBerry guy. BlackBerry people are intelligent. I found out how stupid I was. I get this iPhone, and it's like I'm in the car. And I don't have to. Do you text? Do you text him while you drive? Not anymore. I just speak, and it does the texting for me. Serves me a three-course meal. I mean, there's all kinds of things this phone can do that BlackBerry can't do. You say, "What's your point, Tim?" Just see how excited I am about having an iPhone now. I'm excited about it. Some of you have been trying to convert me. You've converted me. I'm on the other side. And I say to all you BlackBerry people, come. It's awesome. Good news. Good news. You got good news? Everybody's got good news. I got this job. I got this car. I'm getting married. You go around the Gill House at 108 Archer. There's lots of good news right now there. They just got married a few weeks ago. You know, some, uh, you hear people, I just had this happen, this happen, and they can't wait to tell people. Well, in the early church, the good news was about Jesus. It wasn't about iPhones and gadgets. and It was about Jesus Christ, the gospel. What is the gospel? People say, well, the gospel is good news. You go to heaven. That's not the gospel. You know, if, if you think it's just going to heaven, you mean i got to wait around with the rest of you people? you got to wait around with the rest of us and put up with each other, and then finally we die. Go to heaven. Finally. I wonder what's going to happen. No. The God, you know what the gospel's about? The good news is I can have a relationship with God. 
And God wants to have a relationship with me. I know some of you here, and I've felt this way before, nobody wants to, have, wants to talk to me. Nobody cares about me. You have the good news. You may, that may be, you may think that's true. It probably isn't. Or somebody that, that's got you on their radar. But you have a God that wants to have a relationship with you. And that's good news. Who wants to help you with everything in your life. Not just bits and pieces. He wants to transform you. He wants to change you. And to be able... He comes from heaven. He makes the first move. Dies on the cross to, to eliminate a gap between mankind and heaven. What's he wanting? He wants to be close to you. That's good news. In Acts 8, we see a regular guy. His name is Phil. And all he wants to do is share this good news that he has found. And if you got to put, again, Bible in Acts 8, let's read it here together. It says in Acts, Acts 8, verse 1, And Saul was there giving approval for his death. What's happened is Stephen has been stoned. That's, that's, by the way, one of Philip's close friends who was chosen as a deacon as well. And he has stood up for his faith and he's been stoned. Then it says, on that day, the same day, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. The church is now being destroyed. This is a serious persecution. It says, going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Then it says, those that had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So there's this great persecution. Philip, everybody's scattered, all except the, the, the apostles. Philip is one of those people that's scattered. By the way, the word scattered here means to scatter as scattering seed. To scatter something to make it to grow, to spread and grow. He's not talking about spreading ashes that, that will disappear. There's a word for that. This word is a special word that means to scatter seed, grow. What's, what's the theme this year? Sinking roots and raising fruit. And you think about it. A tree, other trees cannot, cannot be produced until that falls from those fruit. That fruit falls and goes and spread. And it's spread. And so, so here we see uh, Philip involved in helping this, working through the, working the gospel, the kingdom of God, through the dough of the earth. He's, he's, he's planting. He's, he's, plant, he's, he's being used to plant a small, looks like insignificant thing that's going to grow into something large. Of course, if, if we read on, we'd find out that they ran into a guy by the name of Simon the Saucer. He's the David Copperfield of the town. But, but he notices, like every good magician sees someone that seems to be better, he notices that Philip doesn't use any trick wires or smoking mirrors or any kind of illusion. This is for real stuff, and he likes to know how to do that. So he becomes part of the group. He, he, starts, he, he becomes a Christian. He's baptized, and he's, he's with them. And then here comes Peter and John, and they give the miraculous ability of the Holy Spirit to the believers so they can speak in a language they've never studied so they can spread the gospel. And this really gets his, gets his juices going. And Simon says, how much does this cost? What's, what's it cost? I'd like to pay for it. 
And of course, Peter and John say, may your money perish with you. You have no part of this. He gets reprimanded and he's told, you know, you better pray. And it says, perhaps God will forgive you. Perhaps? Perhaps. And, and Simon and Saucer asks them, would you pray for me? And so things are, they, they, they hit a hiccup. Things are back on track. And then let's pick it up in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way. He made an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of, uh, in charge of the treasury of Candace. Candace is not a name. It's a title. Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's, so he's on his way to church. He's traveling several hundred of miles. Some people think maybe a couple of thousand. And it says he's, he's on his way back. He's gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? And the eunuch says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites him into the chariot. He was reading this passage of Scripture, and it's Isaiah 53. And it's about Jesus. Philip, in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began at that, with that very passage of Scripture. That's the next verse on the PowerPoint. He began at that very passage of Scripture and shared with him the good news about Jesus. Philip was a guy who liked sharing good news, and he used the opportunity from the Scriptures, from a passage, as a segue, a springboard, to share the good news to share what he has experienced, to share awesome news about Jesus Christ. They're traveling along. They come to some water. The eunuch says, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Where did he get the idea to be baptized? Must have got it from the good news. And he says, well, if you believe, you can. And he takes him down into the water. It's by immersion. And baptizes him. And then the Bible says this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord... It says, when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, what? Suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. Oh, who's going to disciple him? This isn't right. It says, then he appears. The Spirit of the Lord takes away, takes, takes Philip away from this eunuch, and he ends up at Azotus, and then goes through some towns, and ends up at Caesarea. And it says, but the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. You know, I'm looking forward to the All-American Sunday because I want to talk about what do you do when you're frustrated with your religion? What do you do when you're not, when your relationship with God is not satisfying? That's what's happening to the eunuch. He's sad coming back. We'll see why. And, but yet, now he goes on his way rejoicing. Why? Good news. Good news. How? I got to thinking, how can I be the kind of person, or what can I do so I can be that kind of person that's a source of good news to my coworkers, to my friends, to my family, to my neighborhood, at a McDonald's, at a Schnucks, in the park. And I think Philip, Philip, regular guy Philip, says, here's, here's six things you need to think about to be this, this source of good news where you can be a, a useful servant 
with the good news. What are they, Tim? Well, God can use me to, to spread the good news. First of all, when I focus on what I have over what I've lost. Huh? Guys, I can spread good news if I focus on the good news and not the bad news. I'll say it that way. Because this passage starts off with bad news. Have you noticed that? A great persecution. They stoned Stephen. And then the church is being destroyed that day by a great persecution. Sound like good news? Doesn't sound very good right now. Sounds like bad news. And look at, look, at, look at these two passages. Look at these two passages there on your notes. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Just the twelve. Talk about what's happened. You know, a lot of empty seats. How would you like to go from a church of 10,000 to 12 in one day? Where's everybody at? You know, we do this. So, by the way, church, we, every Sunday we do this. Church, guys, listen. Preachers count two things, nickels and noses. I want to be honest with you. We look at the empty seats. I see them all the time. Every leader, a lot of our major leaders will look and go, where's, where's everybody at? What's that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and we've been starting church on time, and still, these empty, there's all, so many empty seats. And you all come running in like you know, there's a sale you know, at Target at the last minute. And I've had people say, well, if you'd start on time, I'd be there. And you know, you're the same people that are out there no matter what time we start. Yeah, about time somebody said something. <laughs> but can you imagine? Alan, think about this. Here we are, you know, not even the worship team. Well, the worship team's here, and I'm there, and where's everybody at? And we open the doors. Oh, they're coming any minute. Where's everybody at? Don't you, haven't you heard? There's this, this guy that's a great persecution, and everybody's running for their lives. Good news or bad news? Well, notice what I notice about these people. Look at the next verse that we're looking at in our notes here. Verse 4. And wherever they were scattered, they told people the good news. How could you? What do you no, you'd be saying this. You know, I'm going to run out of town. Isn't that what you'd be focused on? That's what I'd be focused on. I'm from Jerusalem. I had a good thing going. Now, doesn't matter when we start church, nobody's coming. No, they don't do that. They don't focus on the bad news. You been hearing bad news? Are you dwelling on bad news? When you get up in the morning, do you think about somebody and they're the source of bad news? I do. I'm going to be honest. I do. Every morning. And I say, Lord, get my mind off this person. Get my mind off this problem. Why? Because you can't be a very positive person when you're always thinking about what's bad. And this, by the way, divorce care, this, this first point is Andy Laser's point, by the way. He's, he, told me, he told me a few weeks ago, Tim, I've learned something. You've got to focus when you're divorced, not on what you've lost, but on what you have, you still have. And that's a principle in anything in life when you think about it. The most positive people, is it, they're not positive because they have no problems. They just ignore them and focus on the good news. 
Guys, you have, we have such good news. And, and these, I look at them and go, aren't you deterred? Aren't you, dis, aren't you discouraged? We haven't got time to be discouraged. We're, we're sharing good news. You see, what they, were, what they were taking was greater than what they were leaving. What they were taking with them was greater than what they were leaving. And guys, I'll be honest with you. You know, Greater Alton Church, can I just, I want to say something, members. We're a selfish church. You say, how can you say that, Tim? We're going, I was going to kiss the money for a light. Now the decimal point's moving in the wrong direction. I'm saying it. I'm just as selfish as you. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm talking about we want, we want, to, we want to keep it the same. We like the friends we have, and we don't want to make new friends. We don't want to lose friends. We, we, want, to keep, we want to keep those connections, and we don't want to lose anybody. You know, I, selfish churches, guys, can plant a church. But can they maintain after the plant? And quite frankly, Greater Alton, guys... I miss this person. I miss that person. I wish it was this way. I wish it was that way. In order for this Word of God, for God to work His yeast through the world, we have to learn to hold people and each other loosely. We've got to be willing to make new friends. But the last time I shared my faith, they did really good for about a year, then they fell away and get wretches. It breaks my heart. I know. I Yes. But you can't let that bad news stop you from sharing the good news. It's so good. Look what, it, look what they said in just a few chapters, four chapters earlier. They threatened them. That's bad. You ever been threatened? That's bad. That's bad. Stop talking about Jesus. We're going to rough you up. And we cannot. It says stop telling about the wonderful things. We have seen and heard. Good news? Good news. Are you a positive person? You want to be a positive person? Let the good news overwhelm the bad news in your life. Look what Paul says. I want you brothers and sisters to know that what has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. And what has happened to Paul? (laughs) Name it. Been whipped, stoned, beaten with rods. Uh, let's see, bit by a snake. He's, he says, "I went around. Uh, I know what it's like to be hungry, running from my friends, running from my enemies, running from the Romans. I've, I, I've been naked and cold." Paul, and that ha- that all that stuff that's happened to me has helped to spread. The good news. I want you to understand, when I'm talking about bad news, guys, I'm not saying to deny it happens. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that Paul didn't... That I want you to see is that Paul didn't ignore that bad things happened to him. It's part of life. He just didn't focus on it. And that's a choice. That's a choice you and I make. Are you letting bad news Influence how you share good news. 
If I want to be a source of good news, I need to focus on what I have more than what I lose. Here's another thought I noticed from Philip, and the thing I noticed is that is that I'm able to be this person that can spread the good news when I respond when God nudges. I really wrestled with this point. Look at these verses here. Look at this verse here. Now an angel of the Lord, circle angel. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. There are two roads between Gaza and Jerusalem. There's one that's like I-70, and there's the Route 66 road, the the scenic route, the desert road, the one that people, it's the road less traveled. And God says to Philip, I want you to go south. Go south? Yeah, to, to this road. It's a desert road. Philip doesn't know, he doesn't know what it's about. He doesn't know who it's about. But he starts out, doesn't he? And look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. Then he says, he tells him, the spirit, would you circle spirit, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to, that, to the chariot. Angel, spirit, I don't understand. Why doesn't God just use his angels and spirit to reach this man in a chariot? Guys, does God use angels and spirits today? Does he use his spirit? Does he use his angels today? Absolutely. But I notice he uses them on you and I as believers by nudging us a little bit when we're at a restaurant or at the grocery store. You ever felt that? Why am I noticing that person? And it's somebody you don't know. Stranger, danger. You know, you're kind of... And you feel this nudge. Maybe I'm supposed to talk to this person. And you fight it. I fight it. Oh, it must be a, you know indigestion. I had too much coffee or something. No, I'm feeling this nudge. Why? Why is the Spirit of God and an angel of the Lord talking to Philip? Because God is working on a man in a chariot. He's doing things that Philip had nothing to do with. He's been working ahead of time. You know, when he goes to Samaria, did you know Jesus had already been there, right? Woman at the well. We know he talked in Samaria. Jesus had already been talking, already preparing some work, and that woman had been working. And here comes Philip to a city in Samaria and has an incredible church growing. And here he is in the middle of nowhere, and he's and what's he do? He obeys. He responds when God nudges. Do you respond when God's nudging you to talk to somebody? Or do you fight it? My discipleship group and I, we were, we were together at McDonald's, at the Alton McDonald's. I, I, I frequent the Godfrey McDonald's and the Bethalto McDonald's. Have you ever been to the Alton McDonald's down on Broadway? That one? All kinds of people are down at that one. If you've ever been there, you go, oh my goodness. You're looking at somebody going, eh! and then you look over and somebody's looking at you going, eh! you know what I mean? It's all kinds of people down at that one. People with garbage bags, people in suits, 
and they've completely remodeled it. It is, looks, I mean, got a little nook area if you want to get with some people, wireless, all kinds of neat things. It's pretty colors. I, I'm wanting to go to Subway across the street there on Broadway, but it's closed. It doesn't open until an hour later, so I go to McDonald's. I get my cup of coffee, and I tell the guys, we're meeting at the old McDonald's. And I'm waiting for somebody to go, really? But they don't. They show up. Here comes Jim, you know. He comes walking in. Here comes the, We're all sitting down. And I'm showing him. I want to show you something. I'm showing him my sermon. Look at this. This is about Philip. And he's, you know, God's nudging him. And he's, guys, you need to let God nudge you. And then this fellow walks in and Jim goes, hey, how you doing? And he goes, hey, Jim, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm in the middle of my discipleship group. And then the guy walks down and sits down at our table and has a conversation with Jim about some stuff, you know, city stuff, city business. I'm like, I got the Bible open, buddy. I'm in God's Word, doing the work of God. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. And Jim's going, it'll take a minute. And he's talking to the guy. And I'm trying not to listen, but he's two feet away. What can I do? No, that's not. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, let me. I want you to meet Tim. He's my preacher. Oh, hi. How you doing? And this is Andy. Oh, hi. How you doing? And I'm like, okay. He goes, well, Jim, I got to go. And I'm going, good. Because I've got things to do. The Lord's work. And he gets up. The guy gets up and leaves. Gets outside. And Jim goes, by the way, did you know he lost his wife a year ago? I go, huh? See, God is nudging Jim. But he's <coughs> me. <laughs> I'm like this. I'm loopy. I'm going, oh my gosh, Jim is doing it and I'm talking about it. What do you do when God nudges you? What do you call it? A holy hunch? I don't know. I just when God nudges you and you know I need to speak up. You know, we're having this All-American Sunday that's June the 30th. And, and church, I want to encourage you, be bold, invite. When God nudges you, invite. Just invite. That's an invitation. That's just inviting people to this thing. Let's, let's fill the park up. Don't fight it when God's trying to get you to speak up to someone. I don't know what to say. If you look, Philip isn't that brilliant. He's not that brilliant. But he responds. He leaves a fruitful ministry to go in the middle of nowhere. He obeys God's... He doesn't second-guess it. He goes to a deserted road. And he just goes. Why? He's so flexible. He has this attitude, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to work, with whoever you want me to work with, I'll just take that before crossing paths, that's the person you want me to reach out to. And talk about opposite, cultural opposite. Philip is a waiter of tables working with somebody who's powerful in a political sense, has a title. And that's something. And so, and he just does it. You know, guys, if I'm going to reach other people, I've got to let God mess with my routine and interrupt my schedule. If I've learned anything in the last 30-some years about being a Christian from success and a lot more mistakes, it's been this. 
that my flexibility is tested through my interruptions. Your flexibility is tested. You, you want to see how you really want God to use you? Let Him interrupt you. Let Him interrupt you. I've been interrupted so much this week, and I'm trying to do this passage and make this point. And God's going, yeah, Tim, let me interrupt you. It's nice to have your nose in the Bible, guys, but God wants to use your mouth, too. Okay, so, so it's being flexible. It's just being flexible. It, by the way, look at it. It says the Spirit suddenly took Philip away, and you didn't see him again. I mean, Philip's got this attitude is, I'm ready, whatever. Use me wherever, at any moment. He's sensitive to the Spirit, to the angels of God, that have worked ahead of time, and they're saying, now it's time to put Tim in the game. Now it's time to put Bob in the game, or Jim in the game, or Andy in the game. It's time to put Nathan in the game. You see what I'm saying? It's time to, it's your turn. You don't do all the work. But be ready when it comes. Here's the third thing. If I want to be a, a source of good news, again, we talked about being a positive person. Sure. You know, being, letting God be willing to use you. Absolutely. The third one is when I'm willing to share the good news with anyone. If there's anything I notice in this passage is that here's a guy who's been taught from, from the day he was born to be to profile people and to be prejudiced. And you say, you say well, that's just awful. I, I'm against prejudice. Well, no, wait a minute. Are you sure you're not prejudiced? You sure you don't profile people? See, that's what he refused to do. Philip did not do that. Look at it says here. Those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. And Philip went down to the city in Samaria. Samaria. Hmm. Circle that. Samaria. What's so interesting about that? Six, seven hundred years earlier, this, Israel was captured by the Assyrians. And when the, the Assyrians are ruthless people. One time in a battle, historically speaking, in a battle, the river had run, had run dry. And so... Some people went up to investigate, why is the river not flowing? And it was full of dead bodies from the Assyrians. They had blocked the flow of water with their defeated enemy. They cut your hands off and nail them on the walls of the city. Remember the little waiver that people used to have? Can you imagine coming in and you're seeing all these hands nailed? That's your welcome. Welcome to Assyria. You mess with us. We'll mess with you. And they came, to, they came to Israel because of Israel's rebellion. God uses this, this very powerful this superpower to take over part of Israel. And when they did, they took all the fluent, smart, sharp people, leaders types, out of the country and scattered them throughout. Because they didn't want them around. Why? Because they could, they could rally the people. They left the poor, the simple, the weak, the old. They left them uh, in the city. Then they brought their own citizens into the city in the hope that someday they might get along and intermarry. And somehow that culture, that Jewish culture, Israel's culture, would somehow be diffused and lost and dominated by Assyrian culture. You follow me? Babylon comes along. Nebuchadnezzar. He's the son of Nabopolassar. He is one tough dude. He takes Assyria on, whoops them. 
and then takes all the land they have. He even takes the rest of Israel. He defeats, he defeats, uh, defeats the city of Jerusalem, besieges it, builds an earthen ramp, and they just come over by the thousands and destroy that city. The temple's destroyed. Talk about an all-time low. He has, he has all of Israel now. They're doing the same thing, dispersing. And then a fellow that is a Persian, the Persian Empire. If you've ever watched the 300, here comes the Persian Empire, and they take over Babylon. And so the Persian army the, is the newest superpower. They have control of Israel, and they say, hey, uh, if you're a Jew and you'd like to go back home, you can. Well, a lot of them say, okay. Nehemiah, you've heard of him, haven't you? He rebuilds the wall in Jerusalem. Ezra rebuilds the temple. When they get there, the people that, that, that had to stay, that intermarried with the Assyrians to begin with, they're there welcoming them. If you read it, you see, they go, we'd like to help rebuild the wall. And what are they told? No way. Why not? You're half-breeds. You guys, you guys slept with the enemy. You married the enemy. You've compromised. You're not even nothing like the Jew anymore. You've lost your identity. That's why the woman at the well in John 4, when she's sitting there and she looks at Jesus and says, you know, it's against the law to talk to me. It's not a good idea. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans were hated. You want to you insult somebody? Call them a Samaritan. Jesus breaks protocol, doesn't he? He doesn't care about political cycle babble or what's correct or not. He goes, no, I, he doesn't profile. When he profiles, he, pro, he sees one thing, people needing him. He doesn't see anything else. That's why the woman caught in adultery gets grace. That's why a short guy climbing a tree, goes to, he goes to his house and gets salvation. He doesn't see short, tall, fat, skinny, ugly, pretty, educated, uneducated, Misfits, the best. He doesn't see that. He sees, I don't know how to say it. He said, what does he see? He sees people needing him, needing God. People needing good news. He's the kind of God that will reach out to somebody who's a lawyer living on the bluffs that doesn't seem financially to have a problem in the world and reach out to him just as enthusiastically as some kid in Golden Gate, Illinois, going up and down a field on a tractor that runs half the time. That is good news. That you and I have access to God. That he doesn't profile you or I. Oh, there'll be a day he separates the sheep from the goats. I don't want to be a goat. But he doesn't prejudge. He doesn't say, I mean, guys, you, you say, well, I don't do that. Are you sure you don't do that? You'll find yourself going, I don't know about her. She's got too much baggage. She looks high maintenance. Or that guy's got so much together... He probably doesn't need Jesus. You have both in Acts 8, the Samaritan and the eunuch. God sees something we don't see. 
And he wants us to quit profiling people. If you want to share good news, the good news is for everyone, for anyone. Amen. And so I've got to, I've got to see that. Number four, God can use me to share good news when I'm willing to go the extra mile. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, look at what it says here. It says here, the Spirit of the Lord said, go to that chariot and stay to it. I get that idea. Stick to it like glue, in other words. Then Philip ran up to the, to the chariot. Was the chariot rolling? Was it stopped? Was it really going? We don't know. God, God kind of left that up to us to figure out. I think it's on purpose. But he's running. Now I have a question for you. Is Philip chasing people? When you look at that passage, is a Christian chasing a person? Absolutely. Now church... I'm not talking about chasing people that don't want it. Which, but by the way, I remember telling Denise on how many times, I'm not coming to your church. I'm in the middle of it now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know we got, you know, this is the big question we have when we're sharing our faith and we're trying to help people. How far do you go? You know, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls to pigs. Don't go give what is sacred to dogs because they will trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. And how many times have you been there? Well, you've done all you can and you get, you don't appreciate it. You're abused. Should I chase people? Before you answer that question and put it in the situation you're in, Ask yourself, did Jesus go the extra mile for you? That's what I ask myself. And how many people went the extra mile for you? They put up with your silly stories, or your body odor, or your bad habit, or your crazy Bible ideas. I mean, really, way out there. And you'd make a comment in cross chat, and everybody go, "Okay." <laughs> well, how many times I'd go, "Yeah, but what about this?" Blah blah blah. And they go, well, "That's a very interesting take, Tim. Let's move on." <laughs> What's that mean? Must have been a good point. I'm just, you know, I'm saying, how many times have people put up with you and I? Christians put up with you and I. Servants of God putting up with you and I. We don't show up and they give us a call. And we, we or, or they come by our home. I had guys visit me from a church 25 miles away and said this. Well, we were in the neighborhood. What? Your neighborhood's a little bigger than mine. Oh, good point. Maybe we need to expand our neighborhood here. And I, again, I, I, I don't know completely what to do with it. I'm not saying we should, would, should pursue people that just have made it real clear. Maybe we just put them on a back burner instead. Maybe that's what we have to do so that we don't get distracted and put all of our energy in them while the front burner people want to hear it. I get that. 
And church, I, I understand that, you know, we're in right now, we're in a place where we're telling people, look, you're responsible for your spiritual growth. And I want you to know you are responsible for your own personal spiritual growth. But you've got to understand, you're going to need help. And church, the rest of us, we need to understand, they are going to need help. And it's going to require work from me. Sacrifice from me. Extra miles from me. A text isn't going to do. It just ain't going to be enough. Because, you see, people hearing the good news, to hear the good news, it doesn't happen automatically. It's on purpose. And you have to, and, and it, it takes ex, lots of extra miles. Let me ask you, what's your treadwear number? What are you talking about now? I'm talking about tires. Go out of your car when you've got some free time. And look for the treadwear number. Well, what's that? That's the, that number indicates how many miles you can get out of that tire. The higher the number, the more the tougher the tire. The lower the number, the crappier the tire. If you've got a tire that's in the two to three hundreds, you've got crappy tires. I just bought this car brand new up the lot. They put crappy tires on a lot of them. Just get them out. How many, how many miles is it to get it off the, off the parking lot? Less than a mile. That's good for us. For us. <laughs> when you get a number that's higher than 400, that puppy's going to last a while. You rotate them, you take care of them, you can get a lot of miles out of them. How do you know that, Tim? I talked to somebody who puts tires on for a living. And they said, you need to look at the tread wear. I got to thinking, I have a tread wear number. How many miles am I willing to go for somebody? i got to tell you, sometimes... My number's like a three. I don't have time for them. I don't have time for drama. Evangelism is a very dramatic thing. I've got to be willing to go the extra mile. What does the extra mile look like, Tim? <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe it's a follow-up call. Maybe it's going by and seeing the person. Maybe it's picking them up and ringing the church every Sunday for a couple of years. Maybe it's seeing them in the hospital. Maybe it's, maybe it's going by and seeing them. Maybe, maybe it's a, a letter. Maybe going the extra mile is serving them. Maybe going the extra mile is loaning them money. Maybe they, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying, guys, I don't know what the extra mile is for you. Honestly, it's none of my business. Only my extra mile should matter to me. I'll leave that up to you. God leaves that up to you. But do you have this attitude that says, I'm, guys, um, I was going to make a mistake here and say great churches are built by, but that's not what this is about. It's not built, about building a great church here. Getting good news out is hard work. And I want to say, it's good work. It's worth the work to watch somebody change to watch God transform their life. Look what David, or uh, not David, but Paul says here. So everywhere we go, he's talking about the apostles. That he, he said, everywhere we go, we tell everyone about Christ. Is he telling the good news? Sure is. He says, we warn them and teach them with all the wisdom God has given us. For we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And he says, I work very hard at this. I think one translation says, to this end I labor. 
because I work hard at this. This isn't something that's easy. But guys, I'll tell you what, you want, to, you want God to work in somebody's life? It's going to take some work from you and I. So I've got to be willing to go that extra mile. Here's the fifth thing, when I'm willing to break the ice. Now, when we talk about evangelism, I, maybe you're one of these kind of people. I am. I get real nervous. You want us to meet people? I don't want to meet people. Me too. Damn, I can't believe you said that. You just heard it. Okay, but you know what I'm saying? Everybody else didn't hear me. Did you? I understand that. It's scary. It freaks me out to try to share my faith with people. I'm a scaredy cat. Why? Because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Well, if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, what about me? We're going to say the wrong thing. It's just going to happen. I can't go through 15 minutes without saying the wrong thing. So why do I think I'm going all of a sudden, oh, and God spoke to me and he said this to me. want to say this to you. It ain't going to happen like that. But I do want you to see this, is that we have to be willing to be bold and break the ice if we want to get somewhere. I get this idea. Here's old Philip. He's running in the chariot. Stay near the chariot. Stay near. I'm just going out and running. And he's just running. And Enoch is reading. And he's running. And you can just see him going, how far am I? What do I do here? Do you understand what you're reading? How can I? Unless somebody... Explains it to me. Come on up in the chariot. It's about time. You know, man, this is great. You know, so his job got easier when he started getting bolder. And so he 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 breaks the ice. I don't know about you guys. There's times I don't know how to break the ice. Sometimes it's very very tough for me. How do I say? It? It's like I'm looking for a pickup line, a spiritual one. You know what I'm talking about? I found some pickup lines. Pick up lines that don't work. Are you an interior decorator? Because when I saw you, the room became beautiful. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. Pardon me, but when I saw you, I ran into the wall over there. And I'm going to need your name and number for insurance purposes. Really? Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. Nathan Ward said, hey, use this one. I lost my phone number. Can I have yours? Oh, please. I think he said it doesn't work. Okay, that's good. That's good. I get it. But don't you kind of like, do you feel that way? I just got to get a pickup line. I, if I could just get a, how do I say it? You know, I, I, some people do it this way. If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I don't know if that's a good one. Maybe it works sometimes. I have to admit, I've seen it work on some people. But most people go, what? Well, see, that's what I'm talking about, Tim. What kind of, what, what did Philip say? Look what Philip said. Do you understand what you're reading? He asked a question. He says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Simple question. And, you know, I, I'm not the greatest at this, 
at, at trying to get studies and, or trying to share my faith, I'm not the greatest. There's, some of you are much better than I am, and maybe we ought to have them tell us what they do. But I know some things that have worked, things like this. How you doing? Can I help you in any way? What would you like me to do? What could I do for you? You know, I've been there. Can you imagine, Philip? Here's the eunuch who's went to Jerusalem. He's trying to worship. He can't get in the temple. He feels rejected like an outcast. And here comes a guy that's been kicked out of Dodge. And he could say, I know what it's like to be rejected. I know that well, too. I know it's like to suffer loss. I've been there. This, this, uh, you know, the end of this month, we're having that All-American Sunday. What, you know what I'm going to say to a lot of people, strangers, when I run into them and feel this nudge? One of the things I'm going to say is, has anyone ever invited you to Greater Alton? And you know what they're going to say? Most of them, no. Well, let me invite you. Ooh, that's a good pickup. I'm just saying, I understand it's tough. I learned that from someone that knows how to do that kind of stuff. I want to say this. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, church, is, is if we want the good news to get out, we've got to be bold and push ourselves and nudge ourselves to speak up. No one can hear the gospel unless someone speaks up. No one will hear good news unless we speak up. Here's the last thing. By the way, I want to encourage you. Let's invite like crazy for this All-American Sunday. Let's bring our friends to this thing. Speak up, you know. What's the last thing, Tim? Well, God will use me to share the good news when God's Word, when I use God's Word as I share the good news. You you might say, yeah, that's the problem, Tim. I don't know very much Bible. Okay, I understand that. I understand that. Oh, you know your Bible. (laughs) And you'd be surprised how much I forget. What I'm noticing here is this. Look what it says here. Look at this verse. Very interesting. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He used Scripture, but Philip didn't have, we're going to go through the Seeking God study. Why? Well, it hadn't been invented yet. He was kind of in the Seeking God study. Did you get that? And it says he used the Scripture as a springboard to share the good news what was good about Jesus what was what was good how was Jesus good for him he shared personal experience now i'm not saying that we should never we should never replace the scripture and never have scripture faith comes from hearing the word of god but good news is a personal thing and guys, I don't know if you, you might I don't know if you ever get a chance to talk to some people. Sometimes you might only get two or three minutes. But have you ever thought about how would I tell people how God has been good to me? How could I do that? And let me tell you real quick. I I got this idea from a fella, and I love it. You take and you've heard it before. You use that acronym B E B E S T best, and just B stands for before. You talk a little bit about this is what my life was like before. E stands for events. These are the events that led up to me, God working in my life. These things begin to happen. The eunuch would have said, I had this guy start running up to my chariot. That's an event. S 
is how was I saved? What did I do to be saved? And T, how is it today? How is it for me today? Very simple. I've often thought this. When, when he shared good news, would he have shared it like me? And the answer is no. Why not? He's different. And I think God lets you... I want you, I want you to understand now. God lets you share good news in your language. He doesn't share the latest philosophy. There was plenty of Dr. Phil's around. He didn't... If he'd had Google, he doesn't share the latest cool story that he Googled somewhere. Have you heard about the father who had the son that did this and this? The son that make you sad. Don't you want to give your life to Jesus? When did Jesus get into this? I was thinking about the father and the son. You know, you might create an emotion with a good little story. But is it about Jesus? And I want to encourage you, guys. We need to use the scriptures. You say, I don't know the scriptures very well. That's okay. You share what you got. And keep learning. Keep growing and keep learning. Look at the Bible says here, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. There's something that's important if I want to share good news. That Jesus is Lord. I set him apart. He's the Lord of my life. Just always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He's saying, what's that answer? It's good news. The hope is good news. And he says, and do this with gentleness and respect. Don't preach to people. Don't disrespect them. Treat them like a human being. Treat them like another foul up, like you are. I'll tell you, that's refreshing for someone who doesn't know Christ very well to hear somebody else that knows Christ a little bit more, but, but admits they don't know it all. That's refreshing. I can listen to somebody talks to me like that. Can't you? I can. Let's be this people. Let's be like Philip here. I got two questions for you this morning. Probably questions for those of us who are members here and questions, a question for those that, that aren't. The question for the membership is this. Are you sharing good news? Are you finding the bad news? Outweighing your good news? Affecting your good news? Are you afraid? Are you resisting the nudge of God when He's nudging you to go the extra mile? To shut the TV off? To go find somebody? Will you let Him interrupt your life? I've not been in a study in a long time, Tim. Are you letting God interrupt your life? You could be in a study this week. If you would break the ice. Just start talking to people. For those of you who aren't members, could you hear some good news? Have you got some bad news? I feel like i got a lot of bad news going on. Yeah. God wants you to have some good news. You need that good news. He wants you, he wants you to know He loves you. And He does. He's interested in you. Even when you're not interested in Him. And he's not interested in getting even with you. He's interested in getting his spirit in you and change in you and growth in you. 
maybe to get this good news, it starts with, I need a personal Bible study. Check that box. Let somebody study the Bible and open it up with you. Like Philip. Like a Philip. Be that eunuch that says, I don't know what I'm... I really don't understand this. God will bless that. Be a student. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. You know, I, I used to be really involved in church, Tim, and now I'm just kind of out there. I'm just kind of on the fringe. And you, and you feel the Spirit of God nudging you to get back in the game, so to speak. Why not? Don't resist the Spirit. Why not, make, why not decide to recommit your life today? And when you recommit it, talk to somebody here and say, look, I want to know how to be a bigger part of this church. Or I want to know how to be a member of this church. I want, to get, I want God to use me to share good news. That's what we have that card in the bulletin for. It gives you a chance to respond to this lesson. What is God trying to tell you this morning? Respond to it. That's all I can tell you. Respond to it. And you'll be blessed. We're going to give you a chance to work on that card while we sing a song. We don't have an invitation where people come in the aisle. You kind of do it right there. And then we're going to sing another song, take up those cards, along with our contribution. If you're a guest, we want you to know you're not obligated to give to this church. And we didn't. You're not here to, we're not here to get something from you. We're here to give you something, and we hope we have.